So shall we read together? Uh, Genesis 22, verses 1 to 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife and so they, so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, that, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For, I, for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Bathsheba. And Abraham lived at Bathsheba. And then we read this in uh, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in fact offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered, that's Abraham, that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So we're going to look at uh, this morning, just briefly, a bit shorter than normal, um, how God enables Abraham, by faith, to sacrifice. So firstly, God empowers Abraham, by faith, to sacrifice what's most precious to him. It says in verse 12 in that Genesis passage, you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Isaac was Abraham's precious son. 
And uh, those of you who've been parents, perhaps you've got a son or a daughter. You know how precious your children are to you. It says in the passage that he loved him. But Isaac was also a child of promise. He was the fulfilment of God's promises to Abraham to give him as many descendants as stars in the sky and grains of sand. Of course, now, the other side of Jesus, having lived his life and died and risen again, we know that the Father didn't withhold his only son, but gave him up for us, that Jesus, the Christmas promised child, willingly gave up his life for us to start a new spiritual family, the church, that would descend, uh, that would um, be throughout all the time. And um, he started that new spiritual family with descendants more than the stars. At this point in the story, Abraham's uh, well over a hundred. Um, he um, has experienced the fulfilment of God's promises and his precious hopes for the future. And Abraham's legacy is found in Isaac as the promised child, their miracle baby. And so what God's doing here when he asks um, Abraham to do this is God is testing Abraham. He's testing him as to whether he has faith in Isaac as a son and an heir, or does he have faith in God himself, his goodness, his faithfulness to his promises? Which does he have faith in? Because faith is active, isn't it? It's proved by our actions, our obedience, the things that we do. And Abraham shows his faith by the thing that he does in taking the journey up the hill, lifting the knife to slaughter his son. We exercise faith all the time in life, don't we, when we trust things. When you sat down on the chair that you're sitting on, you exercised faith that the four legs could hold your weight. And depending on your build, that was a, a, perhaps a leap of faith or you know, justified faith. But we all take action, actions of faith um, all the time. James says, doesn't he, in his book, that faith without works is, is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's, it means nothing. And so Abraham's obedience, his faith in action, was this door to the blessings that God had promised And so it is that our sacrificial giving is a type of faith in action, isn't it? It's putting our trust in God. When we give, we're taking an act of faith. We're trusting in God and his promises to us. And it's a door to receive the promises of God. In this specific case, building ownership and being able to run it as um, prophesied, that it would meet the needs of our community. And so we see Abraham's obedience. He's taking this three-day journey up the hill to sacrifice Isaac. It was the outworking and proving of his faith. And so when we give sacrificially what's precious to us and we give financially, we prove our faith that God is good, that he's faithful to what he said about the building and what it will become. And we outwork our faith by sacrificing what's precious to us. So we're aware that when we ask us to increase our giving, we're asking us to sacrifice things that are precious to us. Perhaps your holiday spending budget or a hobby. Perhaps it's an asset that you might sell in order to have the funds to be able to raise your giving for a time. Um, I like this quote from G.K. Chesterton. who says this. He says, There are two ways to have enough money. One is to acquire more. The other is to desire less. There are two ways to have enough money. One's to acquire more. 
and the other is to desire less. So for some of us, the sacrifice we might make is the hopes for our lifestyle. I imagined I might do this to my home or have this type of car or this particular possession. We have to, the sacrifice might be denying ourselves that. It might be the dream of just having more money in life, being a bit more comfortable. It might be financial comfort or even security. But God enables and empowers us by faith to sacrifice what's most precious often to us. Uh, The second thing that God empowers Abraham by faith to do is to make confusing sacrifices that can contradict his own logic. (coughs) Excuse me. The passage looks confusing, doesn't it? Just on the face of it, what God seems to command Abraham to do is child sacrifice, which if you read the Bible, you know that um, it's prohibited and it was often practiced in surrounding cultures and God condemned it. So it seems confusing, doesn't it, that God commands Abraham to do this. And especially sacrificing Isaac, like I said, he's the miracle baby. It must have seemed utter madness to Abraham, uh, contradicting even God's promises in the past. But by faith, Abraham, Hebrews tells us, presumed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He saw the contradiction, he understood that he was confused by it, but he presumed that God would raise him from the dead. You kind of see it in the Genesis passage where it says, stay here with the donkey, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. What Abraham was saying, you stay here, we're going to go and worship and then we'll come back. He had the faith that both of them would return. And in the Hebrews passage it says, he considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead. And that word considered can kind of mean reasoned. It's not a leap in the dark. It wasn't just blind faith. It was, uh, it, but it was despite apparent impossibility and confusion. But Abraham believed essentially that God knew better. Believed that God knew better. And that he would probably resurrect Isaac. For, for Abraham though, imagine in his situation, everything looks unclear, doesn't it? It's obscure. He's had this command. It doesn't. It contradicts things he's heard before. It's confusing. Um, but what he does is he trusts God that he has a way of resolving the contradiction and confusion. And so trusting God would provide. God did. He looked up. What does he see? He sees a ram caught in the thicket of thorns. And now this side of Jesus' life, we look up and see, don't we? Jesus the Lamb of God, the Ram with a crown of thorns on his head, on the cross, dying in our place for our sins. And despite the confusion of the Father giving up his Son to death on the cross, despite the contradiction of Jesus being willing to die on the cross, face apparent defeat, the Father and Son knew better and Jesus was raised from the dead in victory, even though it appeared contradictory, it looked like defeat it was in fact the greatest victory wasn't it and so this is the nature of the gospel to give up in order to save, Jesus says it like this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it but we give up in order to save. And in this case, we give up things financially, we make sacrifices financially 
in order to see people saved, for them to come to know and enjoy Jesus uh, for themselves. But it's confusing, isn't it? Because God seems to have led us into this situation right at the time of uh, being in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis. Some of us are perhaps striking for better pay. Many of us facing financial challenges. It's a confusing time for God to be saying to us, um, raise your and increase your monthly giving. And what God's doing is he's calling us to give up, to sacrifice financially in order to save for people to know God's salvation. And in the confusion and apparent contradiction of it, um, it's time that we look up and remember the ram caught in the thicket. We look at the cross to see Jesus, the Lamb of God, that we see that God has provided. We're reminded of that line that Abraham has in verse 14, the Lord will provide. The Father knows what you need. He knows what you need. That's what Jesus says, isn't it, in Matthew 6. The Father knows what you need and he will provide and ensure that you have everything you need. The final thing, um, more briefly, is this. That God empowers Abraham by faith to involve his family in the costly sacrifice. (coughs) In uh, verses 7 to 8, um, Abraham says, uh, sorry, Isaac says, Behold, the fire and wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And uh, Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they both went on together. Notice how it says they went on together. Um, There's a historian, a Jewish historian, who's an early church contemporary called Josephus, and he uh, says that in this passage, Isaac is 25. Uh, Whether he's 25 or not, I'm not quite sure, but he's at least in his 20s. He's a man uh, by this point. Abraham, his dad, is well over 100 by this point. So you imagine a 125-year-old versus a 25-year-old. They're laying down the wood on the altar, and Isaac's being strapped to it, and he realises what's about to happen. If Isaac isn't compliant, you can understand who might win that fight. (laughs) Isaac's going to win it. But they went on together because uh, Isaac was complying with his dad. By faith, he was uh, enabling it to happen too. Abraham involved his family in the sacrifice. And this side of the cross, we know that the father and the son partnered with one another in order for Jesus to go to the cross to sacrifice his life for us. And so the decisions we might make over the next month or so as we kind of uh, think about this together might involve sacrifices, giving things up, which might likely affect the rest of your family. Perhaps um, you need to talk it through with a spouse or talk it through with your children and invite them to sacrifice with you um, or explain what it is that you're giving up and why. It might take some talking through to explain um, what we're hoping the building will be and what it will achieve. And explaining perhaps to our children that X or Y might not be possible any longer because instead we're going to give the money into this. (coughs) Um, Peter was mentioning, we've had some times recently when we've been in financial need and we've uh, seen provision. Uh, For those of you who've been in the church for a number of years, maybe going back four or five years, uh, when we were looking at employing me full-time, there was a similar gap between our income at the time and what it would cost to employ somebody full-time, and we were expecting quite a significant 
deficit. And we, the leadership team at the time outlined that to us. And inc our giving increased and the deficit was met. And we ended up actually having, uh, I don't think, hardly a deficit at all. We've had many obstacles, haven't we, in the path of fulfilment of what God's spoken to over us with this building as well, haven't we? There was an expensive lease at the start. When we started looking into the building, the building was not even available for sale. We were just going to have a very expensive lease. And in the end, we got offered the freehold, didn't we? At £200,000 below market value. We've had planning permission objections that Peter mentioned. We've had funds needed to remodel the building. And this is uh, the latest obstacle for us. And notice, remember last time I preached on Abraham, Abraham had by faith left Ur, hadn't he? He'd left the, the riches and the luxuries and the lifestyle that he had in Ur behind to live in a tent. And yet we fast forward what is probably, I don't know, it's about 40 or 50 years or so. And Abraham has graduated and been promoted to greater, tougher um, sacrifice and as I was preparing this, it just seemed that that is often what happens by faith. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, often what happens is you go through a period where God really stretches you. And by faith, you're having to lean on him into something. And then after some time, you get kind of a bit more comfortable with what you had to sacrifice originally. And it's not so much a sacrifice anymore. And then what happens is the Lord brings along another tougher challenge, doesn't he? And you come out of your comfort zone again and he's stretching you again and by faith you're having to lean on him. And so we'll see the same time and time again in church life where the Lord stretches us, in this case financially, stretches us and by faith asks us to lean and depend on him um, to only find ourselves in a more comfortable situation maybe in a few years' time and be giving the same talk again. So I'll keep these, these notes. Um, but soon... I will be telling the story of how God has empowered us by faith to overcome this obstacle and close the gap between our current giving and income and living life as owners of the building. So how does God empower us by faith to give sacrificially? <coughs> Just some notes on this um, before we break bread. The first is uh, take time to reason with God and consider what he's asking of you to give specifically. So don't, um, don't rush it. Take time if you've got a spouse and you need to talk things through or if you need to talk things through with your children. Take time to do that. Just like Abraham reasoned and considered with God that he would raise Isaac from the dead, we also need to reason and consider what God is asking of us uh, by faith to do. Uh, the second thing is to do, decide what to do freely. If you're in a position where you're feeling under pressure to give, whether that's somebody else talking to you or perhaps something I've said this morning, um, you really need to feel no pressure to give. In fact, giving under pressure is really not a good thing to do. So if you feel a sense of pressure and compulsion to give that's not good, just leave it for a while until it subsides and you've got perspective and you feel free uh, to give. So don't feel any pressure don't feel under obligation. Um, we won't be standing up in a future meeting saying these people raise their giving and these people don't <laughs> we're doing that. Um, so feel free. Uh, the third thing is sacrifice for the joy of the outcome. It says in Hebrews earlier in the book that Jesus endured the cross for joy. It's not because Jesus is a kind of 
sadomasochist. He's not kind of enjoying the pain of the cross. He's doing it for joy, for the outcome of the salvation of many throughout history. And so when you think about increasing your monthly giving, do it for joy, cheerfully. It says in 2 Corinthians, doesn't it, 9, be a cheerful giver. Give it joyfully, thinking, hey, what this is going to achieve 